Fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And the best way to level up both your mental and your physical fitness is by making small but powerful changes to your daily habits and routines. With this podcast, I aim to bring you a combination of short educational solo casts and slightly longer conversations I've had with a wide variety of fascinating people. The goal? To help you develop a lifestyle which supports your mental and physical fitness and improves your overall quality of life. My name is Jay Unwin. Welcome to FitBody FitMind. Welcome back to Fit Body Fit Mind. And today I have got with me Joe Howarth, founder of The Happiness Club. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really I'm I'm feeling good today. I'm a little cold and a little achy, but I feel really happy, which is good considering I'm talking to you, isn't it, really? It's lucky, isn't it? So with that in <laughs> mind, I guess the big question that everyone wants to know is, from the expert, what actually is happiness? Okay, so... Big question to start with. Huge question to start with. I think there's a lot of... I think happiness is your own definition of it. I'll share mine with you, um, but people might not necessarily agree with my definition. Okay. Um, For me, and I come across a lot of people who say to me, well, you know, happiness is fleeting. It's not lasting. It's not... um, It's not permanent. And and I don't agree with that at all. Um... I think things like joy may be more fleeting. Yeah. But happiness for me is um, quite possible to experience every single day. Um, and again, I get people saying to me, uh, will you just teach people to walk around with big silly smiles on their faces? And um, I'm sorry, I do silly voices all the time. That's all right. I'm happy with that. I'm happy um, with that. I was just thinking how good the voices were that you were doing. I'm enjoying that. Especially on audio and podcast, isn't it? It just makes it more interesting. I know. They'll think someone else has come in the room. Yeah. Um, voice anyway. actor. This is voiced by... Okay. Carry on. Sorry. Anyway. All voices acted by Joe Howarth. Um, anyway... I get people saying, you know, oh, you just teach people to ignore the bad stuff and walk around with silly fake smiles on their faces. And again, that's not what happiness is for me at all. Um, Happiness for me is about embracing absolutely everything. Okay. Uh, It's about seeing life as an experience because that's what it is. And that's what we're here for, to experience life. Um, And once you understand that all of life, the good, the bad and the ugly is an experience, Um, And you allow yourself to be open to those experiences and embrace those experiences. It allows you to become more comfortable with yourself in your own life, with the world, with everything that's going on around you. And that for me is what happiness is. Happiness for me is present permanently. I just don't necessarily see it all the time. I think that's an important thing to address, to be honest, because a lot of people, myself included, um, definitely in the past, I've got kind of my own, I've got my own philosophy around happiness now. And to be honest, it's it's fairly similar to yours in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, a lot of people equate it with pleasure, for example. And you mentioned joy and obviously other words like ecstasy and bliss and kind of intense feelings like that, which are considered to be you know, if you want to go black and white with it, you know, positive and negative, where where emotions get lumped in as these are positive emotions, these are negative emotions. And people assume that happiness is about feeling positive emotions. Um, and, and therefore, I guess that's where the idea of it being fleeting comes from, right? 
Yeah, I guess. And again, for me, that's not that's not my definition of happiness. That's not what it was to start with. Yeah, I think it is for most people. I think as I've experienced more and learned more and developed more myself, it's my definition of happiness has changed quite substantially since I started doing this work, really. Um, there's a guy called, um, and I'm probably going to mispronounce his surname, uh, called Rupert Spira, S-P-I-R-A. And I saw a video of him, oh, a while ago. And I really wish I'd written this analogy myself, but I didn't, he did. And it's ace. But he said, imagine you go out into your garden and it's a beautiful sunny day and you look up at the sky and the sky is blue, completely clear. You know, one of those days where there's not a cloud in the yeah. sky and it's blue above your head and wonderful. And then the weather starts to change and some clouds start to skid across the sky and they're white to start when they get a bit greyer and then more clouds and more clouds and it gets really grey and then you can't see the sky. It's just covered in grey cloud and all you can see is grey cloud. But the sky is still there. It hasn't disappeared. Yep. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's just covered in clouds. And that was his analogy for happiness. Happiness is the sky. It's always there. It's always present. It just gets, it's our natural state of being. It's our birthright. It just gets covered up by that cloud, by those clouds of, you know, cloudy thinking, like you say, the positive and the negative. Yeah. I, I used to use Was that your phrases. impression of me? Yeah. Is that exactly how I was like, God knows. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, because you always sound different in your head, don't you? <laughs> might be. People will be on the, people will be listening going, was that Jay who said that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm a talented actress, um, impressionist even. Um, but yeah, for me, that, that sums it up beautifully. The happiness is always there, yeah. just like the sky is always there. We just, it gets covered up by the cloudy thinking, the cloudy behaviour, all of which we've learnt yeah. and all of which we can move out the way so that we can see the sky again. Okay. So do you still get clouds? Yes, of course I do. Absolutely. And ha- and, and what's your kind of uh, approach when those clouds come over? So let's say, I mean, if you if you wake up in the morning and, and your happiness is feeling a little cloudy, then what's your um, what's your response to that? So my first response is to allow whatever I'm experiencing to be there to accept that this is how I feel. I used to absolutely be the person that pushed against it, that didn't want to feel negative, that didn't yeah. want, that wanted to get rid of that negative, difficult emotion. I don't tend to call them negative emotions anymore. I call them difficult or challenging emotions. Sure. The ones that don't feel nice. Yeah. Um, and I used to be the person that pushed against them and want to get rid of them as soon as possible and find a way to release them. Yeah. But now... I start by allowing it. Okay, I feel like this. Accepting, acknowledging it. Um, uh, allowing it to be there, allowing it to be present for as long as it wants to or needs to be present within me. Yeah. Um, to Because I believe that all of your emotions have a message for you. Again, right. the good, the bad, the ugly. They yeah. all have something to tell you. There are ones that don't feel very nice. And and as human beings, we want to um, pretend we can't feel them or run away from them or push against them and resist them. But in one of those reactions, what we're not doing is allowing them. We're not allowing them to do the job that they're trying to do to tell us whatever it is they need to tell us. So that's the starting point for me. 
absolutely to allow and accept whatever I'm experiencing. Do you think the labelling of emotions as positive and negative, which is a, I mean, it's a common thing, right? I mean, we're always looking, as humans, we're always looking to have a kind of a simple explanation or a simple understanding of very complex things. That's just, you know, that's what we want, right? We want that, we want that simplicity in a lot of ways because things like emotions are confusing and uh, really difficult to understand. And so if... um, if they get labelled as something as these these are positive emotions, these are negative emotions, do you think that that labelling in everyday life has has maybe made people more or steered people more towards trying to avoid negative emotions and uh, attain more positive emotions because of the the words that are used to describe them? Yeah, possibly. I've actually never thought of that before. Um, Yes, interesting question. Very possibly, again, that just the name negative emotions, it just tells you that you don't want to experience yeah. it, doesn't yeah. it? It's, a, it's loaded language, isn't it? It's really, yeah. really, there's a lot of emotional baggage around that because, uh, and you know, the, you get a lot of people who... And I've I've been through I've been through kind of phases in my life where I've thought that what positivity meant was being kind of happy and in in a in a joyful sense as much as possible, if not all the time. And that's like uh, it's 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 like only experiencing a very small spectrum of what hum- humanity is you know what human life is like it's you you're, you're picking and choosing i feel like as well there's a there's a much larger range of negative emotions than there are positive emotions in a lot of ways and so when when you look at um when people are thinking about positive emotions and they think about like joy and ecstasy and bliss and and all of that's linked to things like love and enjoyment and passion and all of these kind of things um and then in in terms of what would have been lumped together as negative emotions you've got everything through anger sadness despair even apathy which is really in between is considered a negative emotion and um so you've got this huge swathe of of different emotional states which like you say have got their place and they've got a message that they're trying to get through to you and if you if you suppress anger then for for example to pick one of them then is that really positivity is it really positive to suppress anger when you feel it um, and try and be happy instead because to me now having come through that that uh, that period in my life where i was very black and white thinking i've realized that actually that's not positivity at all. That's sticking your head in the sand. That's yeah. just that's just willful ignorance, surely. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. I agree completely. And and you know, your negative emotions, if we're using the label, yeah. are they're essential. Yeah. They're absolutely essential to um it's the contrast. Um one of my favourite teachers is Abraham Hicks, and they talk about the contrast in life. Yeah. Um the contrast is what helps us to determine what we want. Yeah. If we don't experience the contrast, how do we know? It's by knowing what we don't want that we know what we do want. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but what people tend to do is get bogged down in the what they don't want and forget to switch their focus to the what they do want, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. slightly unfortunate. Um and that was absolutely me. But those negative emotions, those difficult, challenging ones, 
they're essential to give us that contrast to, sh to like I say, to deliver their message, to say, do you know what, you, what you, whatever you're doing now, you're not on the right path. This is not how you need to be. This is not where you want to go for whatever reason. Um, and to give you that nudge in the other direction to show you this is this is what you want. This is how you need to be doing it. This is uh, it's like your uh, sat nav, your yeah. emotional sat nav. That's exactly what your emotions are. Yeah, and it's like physical pain. Physical pain is a sensory feedback to stop you from injuring yourself. Physical pain is there so that if you put your hand on a hot surface, you quickly remove it before any major tissue damage occurs. If you don't feel that, if there was no if there was no feedback loop there, if there was no sensory response and you put your hand on something hot and it wasn't painful and you left your hand there, you'd lose your hand. Yeah. Right? That's the that's the point of pain. And therefore emotional pain serves a similar purpose. Although it's sometimes harder to see, but it's in the same way as it stops us from doing things, or it's supposed to stop us from doing things that will be uh, more harmful if you continue along that way. Absolutely. So look at um, so one of my specialisms is helping people with anxiety. Sure, that's where I come from. That's what I used to experience every day of my life. Um, so if we look at anxiety, which I'm seeing a lot of in the world at the moment, oh yeah, um, you know, huge amount. Um, actually, anxiety's job, and I am generalising now, yep. but generally, anxiety's job is to warn you that you're in danger. It's yeah. to it's to tell you that you know don't like you say don't keep doing whatever it is you're doing. You don't need to put yourself in that position because you'll be in danger. Yeah. And the thing with anxiety is that it's a future-based emotion. So largely, when we're in anxiety, we're off into a future land that is that doesn't exist, yep. that, that isn't actually happening. Yeah, we're fabricating we're it ourselves. Utterly making it up ourselves. Um, and your subconscious mind doesn't really know. It just thinks whatever you're focusing on is what you're experiencing right now. Yep. So if you're spending your headspace, your energy, being in that, catastrophic future then the obvious emotion that's going to come along is anxiety yep. because its job is to tell you that you're in danger anxiety feels horrible at varying degrees but it feels horrible generally it's not a nice thing to experience but it absolutely is trying to take care of you yeah it's the it's the it's an emotional response similar to the pain response it's warning you that what you're doing is is unsafe <clears throat> and this has come up actually in a couple of other episodes that I've done where I've chatted to people about anxiety and it's it's an evolutionary thing where we're supposed to feel that in order to keep us safe from stuff which was, uh, you know, potentially fatal in the time that we evolved. And the, you know, from a physiological perspective, again, this has come up a few times, from a physiological perspective, we're pretty much the same as we've been for about 300,000 years. From a kind of cognitive perspective, we're about the same as we've been for about thirty to 50,000 years. And what we felt anxiety about tens of millennia ago is very different to what we feel anxiety about now. And we've got this primitive response to keep us safe. But now in the, you know, in the western world if you like that, that we're living in where we're relatively safe um, and we don't have to feel anxiety about survival we now feel anxiety that response is being triggered by things which aren't actually that dangerous they're not actually it's not keeping us safe from having loads of emails to reply to is it 
No, and I mean, it's slightly different at the moment, which is why I say of course, yeah. anxiety's re- rearing its head quite a lot in my experience at the moment, because obviously there is a survival thing going yes, on right is, now yeah. with the pandemic. Uh, but, you know, I have members of, of the Happiness Club who are contacting me on a regular basis because they're in anxiety about um, about getting coronavirus uh but obviously it's not just a question of getting it in their heads they're going to get it they're going to be the illest they've ever been in their lives they might die people they love might die so absolutely anxiety is 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 there to say to them oh don't don't do that don't catch the virus because because then all this horror so yeah it is a survival thing um but um when I'm in the conversations with them, you know, my first question to them is always, and is this happening now? Yeah. Right now, in this moment that you're messaging me, is any of what you're talking to me about actually happening? No. Right. So you now have a choice. You can spend your energy and your headspace and your health (laughs) in this moment worrying and winding yourself up and stressing yourself out about something that isn't happening or you can choose to do something to release that and relax yourself listen to the message accept that it's there yeah yeah, okay i feel anxious wonderful i don't need to feel anxious about this thing because i'm making it up yeah sounds harsh but it's true yeah um now how can i release that anxiety and that we talked about steps the first steps allowing and accepting the next step is releasing now we can let that go because no it's not relevant right now it doesn't need to be here it's delivered its message it's told me i'm in danger now i can move on and release it let it go and then i can shift my focus to something more positive yeah but that's the process for me it's like a three-step process um don't just immediately try and just think of something positive instead because this is really scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's just distraction, right? Yeah, it's not yeah. actually dealing with the with with what's going on. It's no. like again, I'm going to keep using the pain analogy because I really like it. It's like hurting yourself physically, and then instead of taking your hand off that burning hot stove, um, you just go, "Well, I'm going to leave it there, but I'm going to look for something else to take my mind <laughs> off it." <laughs> It's like you're not actually. It's that whole thing with if if a tap is if it if you've left a tap running and the sink is overflowing, you don't look for something to kind of distract you. You don't you don't even um, just start mopping the floor, right? You turn the tap off first. You have to deal with whatever the issue is. You have to accept that. Yep, the sink is overflowing. What can I do about it? And 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 be practical about what what's what's going on, right? And one of the things which has really helped me with with um, anxiety. Now I haven't. I've I've struggled a bit with with anxiety in the past. I've I've struggled more with depression than I have with anxiety, but I've also had elements of anxiety. I've had panic attacks and bits and pieces thrown into the mix because hey, you know, life's a roller coaster, right? As yeah. Ronan Keating said. And the <laughs> wise like a wise, wise man, man. Yeah, philosopher he was a philosopher, right? Ronan Keating, <laughs> yeah, yeah, famous yeah, yeah. Irish philosopher. Um so well, I forgot where I was going now. But anyway, <laughs> What I found has helped me with both the depression side of things and the anxiety side of things, especially the anxiety, I think, is is being very, very brutally honest with myself about the things which are outside of my control and things which are within my control. And this pandemic is a is a prime example of something which is outside 
people's control to, to a great degree. The only thing that we can control is our actions and, and even then only to a certain degree because our actions are, uh, our actions are bound by, you know, other limitations, either physically or emotionally or whatever. But the... Um, we can go, right, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to socially distance, I'm going to stay at home and work from home, I'm going to wear a mask. You know, some people might not be able to do the same things as other people, but you can make those decisions. But what you can't what you can't do is completely control the entire circumstance that you find yourself in. And I think that a lot of a lot of us really try and control more than we're actually able to. A lot of us are really... Um, you know, we're, we're driven to try and control what's going on around us because if we can do that, then we can have things the way we want and we can keep ourselves more safe. And when we can't do that, it's frustrating and it's it's, it's kind of anxiety triggering, um, at least in, in my experience. Is that something that you've kind of come across as well? Or? Yeah, absolutely. And for me, um, when this whole thing kicked off back in March, um, I, I did a few... Uh, live things and and I was saying quite often look what's happened is what we do as human beings is um we put these constructs in place yep. for ourselves to make us feel like we're in control right and some of those are mental psychological constructs some of them are practical ones yep. we put you know we plan things yep. and we schedule things and we put these structures in place so that we feel like we're in control because if we feel like we're in control, then we feel safe. Yeah. And so when something comes along that strips all those structures away, which is what the pandemic did, yep. it causes mass mayhem, which yeah. is what it's done, which is why anxiety has reared its head more than any of the others. Yes. Or, you know, lots of the others have reared their heads too, but for me, anxiety's going like klaxons blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's because we now don't feel in control because those constructs have been taken away and we don't know what's coming next. And it's yeah. that fear of the unknown. And one of the things I was saying to people a lot and still am is, and this isn't meant to scare people, this is meant to reassure people, right? Is yeah. that actually we never know. We yeah. never know what's going to happen next, ever, ever, ever. All you, All we ever have is right now, yeah. this moment, and you absolutely cannot have any way of knowing what's going to happen in the next moment or in five moments time or in a thousand moments time or in a billion moments time. We never know what's coming next, but we pretend to ourselves yeah. that we do by putting these constructs in place. But actually, I find that really reassuring to realise I never know what's coming next. Yeah. So why am I scared about what's coming next? Because I, I make it through every single day not knowing what's coming next. Just the, kidding myself, I do. The, I, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that what you're saying is, it is, it's depending on how you, how you approach that, it can be a very empowering sense rather mm. than a, rather than disempowering in, in that 2020 is rather than being a particularly uncertain year which on the surface it seems to have been it's more that it has been an illustration of a particularly um particularly uncertain year it's just shown us how fragile our you know predictions of life actually are it's not that 
they've become more fragile this year. It's not that those boundaries that we've put into place are more shaky. You know, the foundations that we've built our entire lives upon are more shaky this year than any other year. It's just that it's become way more obvious this year. Yes, that's a brilliant way of putting it. Yes, absolutely that. So if if anything, and I, I was I was um, I was writing something this morning, uh, kind of reflecting on uh, on twenty twenty and looking at, I guess, successes through twenty twenty, and also kind of how how things have. You know, positive things. It's very easy to look back on this year and go, these are all the things that have gone to shit because the, the list is as long as your arm. You know, you could you could write for days <laughs> on things which have not gone to plan, things which have been a challenge, things which have been a struggle. Um, and for some people more than others, I'm I'm very aware of how lucky I am in a in a lot of ways, both in terms of my health and in terms of um, you know my living situation and stuff like that, where I I haven't been put through the mill as much as some people have. I've had to I've had to kind of hide away a lot because of a compromised immune system and things like that, but I haven't had COVID. I haven't ended up on a hospital ward with a on a ventilator. So I'm very blessed in that sense. I'm also, you know, I haven't um although I I lost my job at the um at the beginning of the the pandemic as well. I had to leave my job again for the same reason. I had to hide away because I was working in a gym. Not you know, it was even before they closed. I was I thought a person with a compromised immune system working in a gym in a pandemic probably not a good idea. So I had to leave. Um but I I didn't end up then um, in huge financial dire straits as a result of that, which some people have. But looking back on the year and kind of, right, what's actually come out as a benefit from that? And the biggest thing that I think for me that's been a, a plus from this year is the realisation that, I mean, I'd already accepted that I was out of control of a lot of things and that was that's happened over the past three years. But this year has really cemented that for me. And it's been one of the most transformative years, I think, for myself that I've ever had, if not the most transformative year, because it's like the rug had been pulled out from underneath me. It's like the shroud had been pulled away from <laughs> from reality and gone, oh, that's how it is, is it? Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, like you say, it's so. it would be that the easy option is to look back over this year and think, oh my god what a shit show yeah right yeah that's absolutely the easy way to do it and i keep seeing lots of posts on social media about you know let's just get to 2021 let's write 2020 off and i'm like no 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 what are you doing that for because as i said at the beginning of this chat for me everything is an experience yeah. it's all about the experience that's yeah. what we're here for we are here to experience whatever we experience it's like if you watch a horror film you don't get to, if you deliberately watch a horror film okay i'll add that because if you accidentally watch a horror film it's a whole other ball game but if you <laughs> deliberately watch a horror film you don't get to the end and go well i felt scared through the whole thing that wasn't very good and it's just like <laughs> that's the whole fucking point like it's literally that like if if you go if we go back to that binary viewpoint of positive versus negative emotions and if you look at negative emotions as being things you want to avoid then why do humans why are humans driven to watch scary movies or go on roller coasters or do skydives or bungee jumps the fear the adrenaline the kind of the jumping people want to feel scared why do you watch sad movies maybe you don't like horror movies but maybe you like sad movies movies that make you feel emotional make you feel like you know that you end up crying buckets of tears over it's because those emotions play a part in our our existence and if we see 
our life as a symphony, then you want those dramatic kind of crashing cymbals and minor key crescendos. You don't want it all to be those happy, joyful little notes that make things sound all lovely. You want that contrast. And this year has just been, I I guess, 2020 was entirely in a minor key and lots of crashing cymbals. And but that's but that's part of it. That's it's if we choose to see it as part of that tapestry, part of that movie plot which is dramatic and makes us feel on edge and 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 develops character, then we can see it that way. Absolutely. And the thing is for me, again, it's all about the growth. It's about expansion. We're here to experience the contrast to um, help us identify what we want so that we can grow towards those things that we want and expand ourselves and the universe. Um, that's why we're here. That's absolutely what we're here for, in my opinion. Um, and there's a very famous um, Buddhist monk whose name I can't pronounce, so I'm not even going to try and pronounce it's it. It's the name pronunciation thing again, Joe. like we were chatting before we started it's recording. But... Um, Uh, He talks about the lotus flower, which is one of the most beautiful flowers in the world. It can only grow in mud. Yeah. It has to have mud to grow. And it's this thing of utter beauty, but it has to grow out of shit, basically. Yeah. (laughs) And that, for me, is where growth happens. It's, you know, if we're talking about 2020, I came within a hair's breadth of losing my entire business. Um, because I lost 80, 85% of my business overnight yeah. uh, when the pandemic hit, when lockdown happened. I came so close to having to close my business. And what's that made me do? It made me pull all my resources together. It made me reassess everything that I was doing, how I was doing it, what I was focusing on, where I was going. I've turned my entire business around with some very amazing help. Mm. But um, I'm happier now with where and how my business is and where and how my life is than I was before the pandemic. And I was quite happy before. Yeah. So, um, well, so you'd hope me, so really, wouldn't you? With, you would with, really. with, yeah, with yeah, what your with job what, is and everything. Yeah, it would help. Wouldn't yeah. It? But, um, so for me, 2020, yes, it's been a year of, of, of sadness and crappiness and difficult stuff. Yeah. But, oh my God, if I look back on 2020, best year ever. Do you think that for some people, for many people, in fact, that it will take some time for them to be able to look back and see those, uh, I guess, opportunities and the the good, the silver linings, I guess, if we, if we want to use a cliche. Um, something that I've found is that as time has gone on and through a great deal of very conscious practice, not through just, uh, you know, luck, I am now more able to see those silver linings more quickly sometimes even in the moment i can find those those positives those opportunities those diamonds in the big piles of shit but the uh, for for a long time i was only able to see those in retrospect and i think that's where a lot of people are now and like is is would you say that for most people it's going to take um a bit of time for them to see that or is there a way of i guess seeing those now Um, Honestly, I think it's a mix of the two. I think, yes, there's a lot of stuff that people will have to be at a distance from 
whatever they've experienced this yeah, year yeah. to be able to look back and see. But again, that's a pra- that's a useful practice in and of itself is to get into that habit of, you know, I, I'm very similar to you in that actually I can turn things around very quickly now. I didn't used to be able to, but yeah. one of the practices that I followed to help me do that was to periodically sit down and look at, you know, look at my life 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yes, I am that old. Um, <laughs> and and see how it was and and track for myself that thing that happened to me when I was 25 that was freaking horrible when it happened. Yeah. Actually, what that's led me to do and be and have directly as a result of that thing that happened that was horrible and I hated it when it was happening. Um, and the more that you, you can do that kind of retrospective looking at your life, yeah. the more when you're actually experiencing something difficult, you'll be able to go, do you know what? I might not be able to see it right now, but I know that something good, something awesome is coming out of whatever I'm experiencing yeah. right now. Because it will. Yeah. Because it's here for my growth. That's why it's here. I saw something the other day which said, so one of my one of my least favourite phrases ever is everything happens for a reason. I hate it. I can't stand that phrase. Um, because it doesn't. Everything happens because the conditions were right for it to happen. It's, it's, it's caused in that way. Um However, what we do as humans is we is we give everything a meaning. So things happen, then we give it a meaning. Um, and that can sometimes be confusing because we feel like it's happened for that reason. And, you know, humans are very complex, complex beasts. Um, so these things happen, we attach a meaning to them. And I guess... The, sometimes when the biggest challenges fa- so it, there's some horrible things happen in the world really really horrible things and and they can really test us when we go through these things and I know that you 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 will know this firsthand and also through the people that you're working with that these things you just think well there, there is no good in this and there, there'll be people listening to this who know that things have happened to them or things are maybe currently happening to them where they are they feel that there is no they, there cannot be a silver lining here there is no good it's a shit situation this has happened um, and I've spoken to friends who've who've gone through certain things and certain uh, losses they've had who who just think no there is there's there's no reason and when people say otherwise in in the best inten- with the best intentions to try and make them feel better it actually just makes them feel worse and i guess that even if there is no obvious positive to come out of it to use that word again but no no obvious silver lining there's still a lesson even if even if that lesson is just a lesson in humility or a lesson in understanding so that you can understand when someone else goes through the same thing. So if someone's going through something horrific right now, they're going to be able to understand that and have compassion and empathy that someone who hasn't been through that could never hope to have. There's things that I don't understand and I can I can be compassionate, but I can't have that empathy. I can't ever pretend to understand certain things that other people have been through unless I go through them myself. And so even if that is the only silver lining, if even if that is the only thing which in five years' time, ten years' time, you look back and go, well, hey, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have been able to understand, hold space for, or help these other people who went through the same thing, then, you know, that 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 can be something to hold on to, I guess. Hugely so. Hugely so. I mean, it's that you've just described the exact reason why I do what I do, how I ended up doing what I do because of my own experiences with stress and anxiety, which were my things, 
Um, I absolutely know how that feels. I know how it feels to be, you know, I say to people, I became a therapist because I had therapy. Yeah. That, you know, I'm a therapist by, by trade and, and I do it because I had therapy and therapy changed my life. Yeah. Um, it changed the way that I had traditionally been taught how to think because we're all taught how to think. Yeah. We're taught how to behave. Um, it changed all of that for me, turned it completely on its head. Now, if I hadn't gone through the shitty stuff, I wouldn't have gone for therapy and I wouldn't now be helping other people go through their shitty stuff and understanding how they feel, what, genuinely knowing what they're feeling like. Um, I always say, you know, I speak partly from training and partly from experience and that's invaluable. So, yeah, I completely agree that, it, I mean, the thing is, I do believe that there is always good stuff, Yeah. even in, in the day from hell. We're just not taught to look for it, which is, you know, you mentioned before we came on recording about me doing my glads every day. Yeah. And I do that on my social media profile every day. And I do it because even if I've had a shitty day and I still have shitty days, there's I know that there's still been good stuff during it. I just haven't noticed it as much. Yeah. So I sit and I make myself do my glads so that I can, you know, I get messages from the members of the Happiness Club all the time that say, do you know what? I thought today was a write-off. Um, when you asked us to do our glads this evening, I thought, you know, do one, Joe. I'm not doing my glads today. I can't, you know, it's been horrible. And then I made myself do them because I knew you'd nudge me. Yeah. And it's changed my entire perspective on my day. Yeah. And that so for, for people listening to this who maybe haven't come across you before, your glads are essentially a conscious gratitude exercise. Is that right? Yeah, it's a list. Basically, I sit, the last thing I do before I go to sleep, I sit and I write out a list of everything that I'm glad of from that day. So it's just about that day. It's not about the wider um, circle of my life. It's yeah. another exercise I do. The glads are literally about that day. So I, I mentally go back to the morning when I woke up and I run through my whole day and I pick out all the bits that I loved about my day, all the bits that were nice about my day. Um, and I write them all out and get them to just go into my brain. Have you found that by doing that consciously every day that you are more tuned into seeing those things in real time as you go through your day as well? absolutely 100% uh, uh, when you start doing the glads consistently they um, they have so many amazing effects you'll sleep better uh, you'll go to sleep with a smile on your face you'll wake up with a smile on your face you look forward to your days more as you go through your day you notice the good stuff more and more because you're going oh I better remember that because that was ace I'll put that in my glads later yeah so you're giving yourself a double hit a double whammy of brilliant stuff as you go through your day you'll notice that your responses to the negative stuff yeah change they soften they they get you don't have such extreme responses the neg you can't stop like you said before we can't control everything that's going on around us you can't stop the crap happening yeah but you can absolutely soften your response to it and allow it to impact you less um the glad exercise changed my life by itself about eight years ago just doing that technique yeah every day religiously um, changed the entire way I saw the world, myself, everything. How long have you been doing what you do in terms of, you know, the therapy, the happiness club, um, the, the the journey that you've been on uh, in terms of your business? 
how does that how does that look if you kind of go back how's that progression happened so um my business has been going for about nine years i started as a jobbing therapist um uh, for the first couple of years two or three years of of the company and then started running workshops and things like that and then i had a conversation with a, a person a friend um once upon a time where she said to me, do you know what? Um, I love that whatever people come to you for, whether it's stress, anxiety, confidence, a phobia, whatever it is they're coming to you for, what they're looking for at the end of it is to be happier. Yeah. You, you help people find happiness. And that kind of permeated in my brain and started yeah. running around because my company wasn't called The Happiness Club when I set it up. No. Um, and What was I, it called? It was called the de-stress show. Okay. Because my specialism is stress and anxiety, because that's where I came from. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and 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 the bit that was missing for me as a therapist. So when I had therapy, um, I would get this hour, hour and a half once a week with this amazing person who helped me see things differently and helped me release stuff that wasn't doing me any favors and all of this brilliant stuff. And then I would have to wait a whole nother week before I got to see that person again, I'd have to survive in the normal world for a week by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, holy Daunting. crap. Yeah. Mm. And sometimes you'd be like clawing the walls before you went to your next therapy session. And then I became a therapist and I had clients who wanted to take me home with them. Yeah. Who, yeah. You know what I mean? Wanted to put me in their pocket and have me on call, which obviously isn't possible as a jobbing therapist. Um, and so then I had this conversation about happiness and then I was sitting watching TV with my husband one night about five and a half years ago and it came to me in that flash of lightning and I went, yeah. oh my God, it's a club. The chorus oh of God. angels. Yeah, and, it was, it was uh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly that. Uh, it was like, oh my God, it's a club, it's a club, it's a happiness club and, and I'm going to send the members something every single day, like yeah. every day of the year. They get someone saying, first thing in the morning when they wake up, there's me going, hi, how are you? <laughs> um, yeah. can, can you try this today? Just and that little check-in. Yeah, and could you think about this today like this and could could you try this breathing exercise and could you do this today and I'm right here if you need me yeah. and just be that safety net for them so that if they are having therapy I can be the bridge between the sessions yes. that kind of thing yeah. and if they're not having therapy because not everybody wants or needs it then it's still someone there holding your hand through whatever you're experiencing yeah yeah and is there a is there a kind of community aspect to that as well, whereby people don't feel it's not just that they've got you in their corner, but they're part of a kind of tribe of people who are then they don't feel that they're on their own from that perspective as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we operate on Facebook uh, partly. We also have an app um, and both have have a community sense to them. Yeah. People get to know each other and support each other. And, you know, very often a member will post something about how they're feeling. And by the time I've got to it, five people have already answered and said, oh, have you tried this? Or have you thought, oh, just sending them love, just, you know, yeah. not even trying to help, just saying I'm right here. Yeah. You're not alone. Um, that's a huge thing to realise yeah. that there are other people that feel the same way as you do. It's underestimated, I think, a lot. And what, what that kind of ties in with, the way that you've structured that, and in fact, the way that the thing that was playing on your mind back then when when it, when it you were having therapy yourself and, and you were seeing this person weekly, 
the thing which played on your mind back then and the thing which you've included in your way of working now is the same as the approach that I have with regard to fitness. I think for a fitness podcast, I think that's the first time I've said the word fitness in this podcast. <laughs> um, but I'm going to cram it into the last few minutes. Do it, do it. So the, this, the same as my approach to that is it's better to have a little bit every day rather than, for example, seeing a personal trainer every week. And when people see a personal trainer once a week, which is great, and if you're doing that, that is absolutely fantastic. But in between seeing the personal trainer is the time when it's particularly challenging. It's hard to keep up with those healthy habits, especially if the habits that you've been either instructed to do by your trainer or by, you know, things that you've read in magazines and online and you've set yourself, especially if those things are very either complex or require a lot of motivation. They have what I call a high motivation cost. If those things are the ones that you've laid out for yourself and you're only seeing this person once a week, it becomes very challenging to stick to those things. Whereas if you have um, someone who you're speaking to or an organisation or a club or an app or a group or whatever that you're um, accountable to every single day, even if you don't have that hour a week, hour and a half a week or whatever you're doing with a personal trainer, if you don't have that but you have every single day that something and it doesn't have to be that, you know, someone's pushed out a workout or a recipe or a diet plan or whatever it happens to be. Just someone going, all right, guys, how's everyone doing today? It just keeps you in that zone the entire mm. time. And it doesn't have to be, again, it doesn't have to be a club in the same way um, as yours is set up. But people get it from sports teams or people get it from friendship groups and people. So if you if you have if you're surrounding yourself with the people that are going to check in on you, because every day we reset, right? Our body yep. doesn't understand a week. Seven days is an arbitrary amount of time. It doesn't really mean anything, right? Seven days is 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 made up. Um, whereas daily we go through a cycle of wake, sleep, reset, wake up again, repeat. And so if we're doing something every day, our body adapts and it, and it gets used to a pattern of being and a pattern of thinking. It's why you don't do your glads once a week or only on weekdays. You do them every single damn day because then it becomes automatic behaviour. Seven days is made up. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, totally. And and that's absolutely the thinking behind the club. And it it it, it is that I say to people, you know, it's it's every day of the year... Christmas Day, New Year's Day, whatever days you're supposed to have off during the year, it's every single day of the year because, do you know what, your mental health doesn't go, oh, do you know what, guys, it's Saturday, we can't be mean to her today because it's Saturday, we'll give her Saturday off. It just it yeah. just does what it does when it does it. Yep. So, you know, same like you say with physical fitness, it's it's about doing something every day, just being having someone there every single day, priceless. There was something which popped into my head earlier on, um, prompted by something that you'd said, and then it went straight out of my head again, as my brain tends to do quite frequently, um, and it's just popped back in. But I can't remember what it was. I can't remember what it was pertaining to, to be honest. But there was something you said earlier on which made me think about um, uh, progressive overload, which is this concept of. Uh, in fact, I think it was to do with when we were talking about challenges and we're talking about what this year has been like or when people are going through really, really hard times and we're talking about silver linings and stuff like that, right? So I think it was to do with that, but it just popped back into my head. And progressive overload is the idea that you overload your system physically by doing a workout or going for a run or whatever it happens to be. You, you challenge yourself physically 
And then in the period after that challenge, your body rebuilds, um, rebuilds the muscles or it, it, it develops and adapts in some way. So either you become fitter or more efficient. So your heart and lungs become more efficient through adaptation. Your muscles become stronger. Your muscles improve their endurance, depending on what kind of muscle fibers are being repaired and in what way. Your body is a very clever thing, right? And so it adapts to the challenge you've put it through. And 2020 or whatever kind of challenge people are going through is like an emotional, mental, spiritual workout, whereby you're, you're basically getting torn down at the moment perhaps but you you build back stronger because you adapt your body goes well oh in this case your mind goes right well i need to be able to cope with this if it happens again in the future mm. and that's how progressive overload happens and the progressive part of that is that then you get once you're stronger or once you're fitter you then challenge yourself further so you lift a heavier weight or you lift the same weight for more reps or you run further or you run faster and then you adapt again and you continue to adapt and progress and that's that's how I approach challenge when it comes to kind of physical challenge, of course, but also mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever, whatever challenge I'm going through. I just think it's a workout. It sucks right now and I hate it, but I am going to end up stronger for it. Yeah, perfect. That's a gorgeous way of putting it. Absolutely lovely. And for you to like a fitness analogy, it must be a good one. That's quite, yeah, unique, probably. <laughs> there you go. You can use that one. You can bank that. Thanks, I will. Ta. <laughs> no worries. Um, but yeah, this. I think this is the thing. I mean, if if we wrap it up, if we wrap it up, um, and people who who are listening and they've made it this far of us of, of us chatting about this stuff, and they want to perhaps change something, they're feeling a bit lost. They're feeling the uncertainty and the challenge of this year but they're not really sure where to where to start i mean there's been some some absolute gold throughout this where, where, which you've shared which i'm sure people have picked up on but if there was a couple of pieces of advice that you would that you would give someone who just really wanted to get that little bit of control back or that little bit of understanding or that just feel better and feel happier and be able to cope with those challenges where would you say they should start okay so two things i would absolutely start with um the breath okay absolutely you you have the most powerful tool at your disposal anytime you need it it's completely free and we're not taught how to use it your breath is an amazingly powerful and brilliant thing uh, you can control it you can slow it down you can speed it up um, we tend to be on automatic and we tend to just allow it to do whatever it's doing without any conscious thought behind it. But learning how to bring yourself back, to there is nothing. We talked about being in the moment before and there is nothing more in the moment than your breath. Every breath in is a moment in time. Every breath out is a moment in time. So... We talked about anxiety being in the future. Anytime you're wandering off into that catastrophe land, bring your focus straight back to your breathing. Just take a lovely, slow, deep breath in, hold it at the top and really slowly breathe it back out. You will calm your system down. You'll bring yourself back into the present. You'll calm your mental processes down. It's an unbelievably powerful tool. Start there. The other tip that I would give 
is to start practicing appreciation yeah um of everything that you so again we're running away with ourselves we're feeling out of control we're feeling like there's nothing good happening so again bring yourself back to right now in this moment what do i have around me that i can appreciate literally yeah. look for anything what good stuff do i have in my life right now and even if that's one thing yeah it's something it's a thing that that i can breathe you know i get I, I, I ran, I, I work in schools sometimes as well. And um, I ran this thing a couple of years ago for this group of sixth form boys who obviously thought they were very funny and very macho and thought yep. it was hilarious that a woman was teaching them stuff about breathing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I taught them the GLAD exercise that we discussed before. Yeah. And um, I, I, we went around the class and I said, so tell me something now that you're glad about. And this one boy said um and thought he was being right jack the lad really yeah. funny and he went oh i'm glad i woke up this morning that was a good voice wasn't yeah, it yeah that, that was a good, good voice that was it good was voice. a bit kevin from kevin it and perry <laughs> Top, topical reference there obviously you know nice current <laughs> nice current popular program. culture reference yeah, absolutely but he said i'm glad i woke up this morning like just thinking he was being really funny and all yeah. his mates laughed because he thought he was taking the piss out of me yeah and I said to him, oh, do you know what? That's the best one ever. Yeah, you've just proved my point beautifully. Yeah. Checkmate. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I was very pleased with myself and yeah. he was absolutely dumbfounded. Yeah. But, you know, that's the thing. That's the thing to be glad about. I yeah. woke up this morning. I can breathe. Yeah. Uh, I Thousands have of people don't wake up every day, yeah, don't they? Absolutely. I have water to drink. I have food to eat. I've just given you four things to yeah. appreciate about your life right now. Yeah. If anyone's listening to this, then they're probably, they've got an internet connection for a start, right? Yeah. So they're pretty privileged, <laughs> yeah. you know, when, when you actually break it down. If anyone is listening to this and you're feeling really rubbish, the fact that you have got, you, you've got this connectivity to the rest of the world is something that you should really not take for granted, which I think we do sometimes. We do take very basic things for granted and also not so basic things. Yeah, absolutely. And that for me is the point of appreciation yeah. is is that it makes you look at the things that you are taking for granted and realize how amazing they are. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's, I, I think that there's been so much value in this and I really hope that the people listening have, have got some notes of practical things that they can perhaps take forward, but also uh, a, a better understanding of happiness and what happiness means. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be joyful and elated all the time, but it does, it's, it's, it's more of a, a, a kind of, like you said, an everyday thing and a taking the rough with the smooth rather than trying to be, you know, ecstatic all the time. Um, Joe, if people listening to this want to see more of the stuff that you do where's the best places to find you best places are uh the website which is the happinessclub.co.uk yep um i'm on pretty much every social media thing that's ever been created apart from um are you on bebo no i was just gonna say <laughs> <laughs> apart from the really trendy ones no i'm on facebook i'm on linkedin i'm on twitter i'm on instagram I think, I don't know, the few more. Happiness Club Joe. Yep. Um, 
look for the happiness club that you'll find me awesome stuff what i will do as well is i'll put some links into the description of this episode so anyone who's listening to this on anchor or on spotify uh, there will be clickable links in the description for this episode to find joe's stuff and to find my stuff obviously if you like me as well um if you're listening to this on apple then those links won't be clickable because apple doesn't like me or the links or something i don't know so you'll have to go and search for joe yourself but the happiness club should be nice and easy to find and i imagine if they go to the website the links there out to all the social stuff yeah they are indeed yeah awesome stuff joe thank you so much for coming on and having this chat with me i've enjoyed it i hope you've enjoyed it i've had a blast thanks so much awesome for having stuff. me on dude <laughs> no worries chat soon mate bye thank you for listening to fit body fit mind with me jay unwin If you aren't already connected with me on LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook, then you can find all the links in the podcast description or on my website at fitbodyfitmind.online. Until next time, stay fit, stay well and have fun.